Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleach. Today, we're going to wrestle with a very difficult topic, wildfires and disaster preparedness. Wildfires, especially if you have lived in Northern California, have touched us all, including today's guest, in both personal and professional ways. We are in a new reality where wildfires will occur with increasing severity and frequency. How can we be proactive to make sure our families and communities are prepared and we are in the best possible position to care for others? This is a learning curve we are all on together. And today's guests will help illuminate this question with their deep experience. I'm delighted to have Dr. Mary Meyer, Regional Medical Director, Emergency Management at KP Northern California and ED Physician at the Walnut Creek Medical Center, who has also earned a master's degree in public health later in her career. Mary has a wealth of experience and has worked internationally and is currently bridging her work in the emergency department with her public health background to help KP better prepare our employees and facilities for potential crisis. Welcome, Mary. Carrie, thank you for that wonderful introduction and thank you for having me here today. Great to have you. We are also joined by Shakira Kitchen, Regional Emergency Management Program Manager at KP. Shakira has 15 years of emergency management experience and works to ensure our patients, our teams, and visitors' needs are met simultaneously in an emergency event. Welcome, Shakira. Hello, I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you. So before we launch into this topic, Mary, can you tell us your story, maybe some background and experience as it pertains to the important work that you are doing at KP right now? Yes, I am an emergency medicine physician. I went to med school, did the usual emergency medicine training, and I spent the first decade or so of my career being strongly clinical, frontline emergency medicine physician. And at about 10 years, I realized that I wanted to pivot my career a little. I enrolled in the Johns Hopkins School of Public health with the intent of getting an MPH. And I was going through my courses and then two things happened simultaneously. As I was writing my thesis and wrapping up my MPH, the Tubbs fire occurred. The Tubbs fire was one of the first really big wildfires in Northern California. It happened in the middle of the night and within hours, it was a severe wildfire. And it ultimately forced the evacuation of the entire Kaiser Santa Rosa Medical Center. That was a really singular moment for Kaiser that really brought home that wildfires are in our backyard. They inspired uh, a new attitude, if you will, towards emergency management. I was actually hired within a few months of that evacuation. I was given the directive, do what you can to prepare Kaiser Permanente for disasters. So I have now been splitting my time between frontline clinical medicine and emergency management for about six years. And I love it. It is challenging work, but it's also very inspiring work. And I think one of the things I love most about it is it lets me bring all the different aspects of my prior experience. My experience as a clinician, I have this MPH, I have a long-standing interest in our communities, and I get to roll all that up into my emergency management. I love that you took the education and training both for emergency management and public health to really help propel us forward. And the Tubbs fire was a wake-up call for a lot of different people. Any particular stories you want to share from that night? For those who didn't go through it, this was, it's hard to wrap your head around. 
When the Tubbs fire happened, I was a frontline emergency medicine physician. I actually joined the emergency management team several months later. I joined hearing the stories of what people had been through that night. Then suddenly I was having my own real world experience. By November of 2018, there was a fire called the Camp Fire and it burned a town called Paradise to the ground. I had been in my role for about nine months at that point, and I was involved in a volunteer disaster relief mission to Paradise to assist in medical aid there. Then literally a year later, there was another fire. This one was called the Kincaid Fire, and it forced a second evacuation of Kaiser Santa Rosa. This taught me just the reality of how wildfires are now a part of our lives in Northern California, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Thank you, Mary. And I love the personal growth angle, taking everything that you have learned and applying it for the betterment of all of our members within Kaiser Permanente and getting them to really understand how incredibly important this work is. Now, Shakira, you've devoted your whole professional life to emergency management. What started you on your journey? Well, I started in healthcare 15 years ago with a different healthcare system in the city. They have four hospital campuses. My work really was to focus on safety, environment, and care, and emergency management. Having all three of those disciplines combined really helped me see how operations and clinicians come together. One of the things that I really loved in the emergency management space is it wasn't it's a your problem, it's an our problem to solve. So I do have a great affinity for being in situations where we have to come up with a solution. Oftentimes people are like, why are you so calm when these events are occurring? And my response always is the time to panic is when there are no answers in emergency management. There are these four tenants where you have the mitigation and preparedness, response and recovery, and the response gets the most attention as it rightly should. That's when people are the most distressed. With the exception of COVID, response is usually the shortest period of time in emergency management. Mm -hmm. We do spend more of our time in mitigation and preparedness. When you think about wildfires and having that level of preparedness in the hospital space, we're definitely focused on maintaining our environment of care, having a defensible space around the campus to the actual threat. When you look at personal preparedness, it's a similar ask of the defensible space around your home, but then also getting into how can you personally prepare for your family and you should you have to evacuate. For me, emergency management never turns off. It's a constant, not even worry in my mind, because I feel like there's solutions. We just have to be willing to seek those answers. And then everything gets a little less scary. Thank you, Shakira. Emergency management has been always a part of my life, but moving back to Northern California just last year, it was the first time I've ever gotten a notice to prepare for evacuation across all the phones in the house, have this alert that goes off. It was dark outside. There's a whole nother level of anxiety. I'm interested in both the physical and emotional toll this new reality of ours has on humans and our families and our communities. Yeah, we are in this definite state of constant worry and waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's unsettling to have that feeling in your home space. Wildfires really used to be a thing for rural areas, and now it has become a city center issue as well, if for no other reason than the air quality. When you think about disasters and the stress that it causes, one of the things I think to do is to acknowledge that it exists and then think about having a plan for how you're going to respond to that. If you're able to plan and respond when you're not under threat or in the midst of the disaster, 
that actually helps manage your stress levels because you know what you're going to do. Well, this podcast is all about attempting to remove all the stress as much as possible. (laughs) I'm hoping this podcast helps others reduce their stress and I'm looking to reduce some of my stress too. Barry, what would you add? I think uh, the importance, not just of personal preparedness, but of how being prepared at both the personal level and the community level is an important step to regaining some control over this crazy new reality that we live in. It's interesting to me to hear you talk about that first time you get the alert. It's just terrifying, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it is so unsettling. And I think we need to acknowledge that there is a lot of bad news we are constantly contending with these days on all fronts, right? I think that having a plan, thinking about things ahead of time is one way to regain control. I do think we need to acknowledge uh, we're all healthcare workers, at least the three of us are healthcare workers. There are the stresses of our current reality. And for many of us, we are still coming to grips with what we experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. There was a lot of tumultuousness and uncertainty associated with that. And these stresses can be cumulative. There are ways to make it feel less overwhelming. And uh, that's part of the work that Shakira and I engage in. So it's how do you give people back some level of control? Kaiser Permanente is once again supporting the American Heart Association Heart Walk, encouraging a heart-healthy way of life. Heart walks are a great way to get moving on your own health and wellness and support health equity. Learn how to join your fellow KP team members for the 2023 Heart Walks in this episode's show notes. So what are some practical things for our listeners to do? What are some broad strategies, both personal, family, and just for community preparedness? So broad strategy. We need to accept that this is our new reality. I I think it would be more pleasant to deny that we live in an age and era of disasters, and we can't do that anymore. The reality is disasters are with us to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. And what we know about disasters is they're becoming more frequent. They're becoming more impactful. They're becoming bigger and they're becoming more expensive every time we have them. The one caveat I would add to that is that we are getting better at them, right? Each time we experience or go through a disaster, we get better at it. Mm -hmm. The second time we evacuated Kaiser Santa Rosa, we were so much better at it. You asked about community preparedness. I think that as healthcare workers, we are often very much respected in our communities. We may be leaders in our communities. And there is a very important role for us in advocacy and in education. So we can advocate in our communities for communities that are more fire safe. And that might be things like making sure that the urban wildland interface is clear as possible. We can build smarter, more fire safe cities. And as healthcare workers, we can advocate for that. Small details like making sure there's good egress out of a city. One of the absolutely heartbreaking things that occurred when the campfire burned down the town of Paradise was that people had trouble getting out of the town Mm. and some of them actually got stuck in traffic jams. So as healthcare workers, I think it's really important that we advocate for positive change. It's important that we communicate to our patients, especially if they are limited in their mobility or they're elderly, that they need to have a plan for how they will evacuate, things like how they will get their medicines at their pharmacy closes, really encouraging patients to plan ahead, and then educating them about things like the negative health consequences of poor air quality. Also, we need to be personally prepared. It's really important to have a family plan. I think every person needs to know that if a disaster occurs and they need to evacuate, how they and their family are going to do that. They need to know where they'll go. They need to know how they'll communicate with each other. Make sure that you think about things like your pets or any Mm -hmm. elderly family members that you may want 
to encompass in your plan. The nice thing about doing this is it can restore a sense of control. It's not only that we get better at it the more we plan and the more we go through these events, we get a little less frightened by them. We feel more control. We feel a little more hope. I love that, Mary. Thank you for giving the broad perspective and <laughs> full community strategy. All right, Shakira, take us down into the brass tacks. All right, right, how do we do this at a tactical <laughs> level? Let's get into the specifics. So first up, I want you to register with Nixle. Nixle is a mass notification system that the counties and state use. What you do is you sign up. Super easy. Yes, super easy. You have the option to put in up to, I believe, five zip codes. With that, I do recommend as part of your family plan that you put in the destination of where you'd like your family to meet up. Put in that zip code as well, because that space, that location may be compromised and you want an alert to that. When you're thinking about family planning, you might have to think of not just for the immediate get yourself out the house, but where you're going to and what's happening there. So Nixle helps with that. The second thing I would recommend, and it's not necessarily specific to wildfire, but just emergency preparedness itself, is in your community, there are these CERT teams, these community emergency response teams, where citizens come together, get trained by the fire department on how to respond to emergencies. So in California, we have earthquakes. They teach you how to remove someone from under debris. They teach you how to actually put out a live fire. Those are the benefits of joining a CERT team in your community. So I do recommend that as a community building event, meet your neighbors. It helps remove the fear around disaster and emergency events. As Mary mentioned with your family plan, when you get into the specifics of making sure that you have a reserve of your medications, any prescription eyeglasses, when you think about your pets, Make sure you're packing that dog food, even a crate for your pet. If you have to evacuate to a shelter, sometimes they will not let you in if you cannot have your pet crated. And then people wind up sleeping in cars. We're also talking about if you're staying in your home and there may be a wildfire, the fire may not be to your neighborhood yet and you're not in that evacuation zone. Recognize that your electricity can be compromised as the fire progresses so you could lose power but you may not be evacuated. So you want to make sure within your home that you do have emergency power, some redundancy there. You can have a backup gas generator. You could have a backup propane generator, or you could have battery-powered solar charged e-power in your house. So that good, better, best. Mm. Those first two options, if you don't maintain it on a regular basis before, let's say, fire season starts or the emergency event happens, you could find yourself in that line at the gas station, waiting to get that gas, mm. waiting to get your propane tank filled. I tend to lean towards having that electric e-power solution that is solar charged. But just keep that in mind when you're talking about your family planning. The Red Cross does have an excellent list, a comprehensive list of other specific items to include in what I would call your go bag or your bug out bag for you and your family if you're going to evacuate. I love that, a bug out bag. It's like one step at a time and we'll have yes. a bunch of resources listed in the show notes for this podcast. Yes, in California, we often have power outages and as we get yeah. into fire season, it's tied to, we have a lot of wind activity and our power gets cut off. I also recommend purchasing for your outlets the Flashlights that come on when your power gets turned off. They turn into portable flashlights around your house. You can also purchase cover plates that do the same thing. They become night lights as soon as your power is triggered. 
I prefer flashlights that you can plug into your outlet. They stay charged the whole time. And as soon as your power is stripped, they light up. And then if you have to move around your house, you can just pull it out, walk around, and you've got a flashlight. There are light bulbs that you can also use that once your electricity turns off, the light bulb stays on. So I would look oh, into what? that as well. And they can run for up to four hours. Lots of tricks. I'm learning so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I put a, a quick plug in for paying attention to the air quality? This really got highlighted this summer with all that terrible air quality from the Canadian wildfires. Right. The reality is one of the most likely scenarios as that we will experience this poor air quality due to wildfire smoke because that is something that can affect a a huge geographic Mm -hmm. area. More and more we're learning just how damaging that wildfire smoke and that poor air quality is, particularly so for certain more vulnerable individuals. The bottom line is it's actually fairly straightforward to manage. You get out of the smoke, you stay inside, You close your windows. If you must go outside, you put on an N95. But I think it's a real health concern. I love that. And with all things, there's an app for that. So we'll put that in the show notes too. It's a great reminder because sometimes it might look okay outside, but in reality, it's not safe. Absolutely. And it might be safe for you as an adult, perhaps, or okay. But for somebody who has underlying medical conditions, it certainly is not. So Mary, with all this conversation, in spite of terrible and unpredictable events, why do you see hope? And what are some of the maybe silver linings that are out there? What I have found now that I've been doing this for almost six years is that there is always a silver lining to every disaster. And I think that's one of the main reasons that I stay in the field. When I try to consolidate what the silver lining is about, because there are different disasters and the silver lining can look a little different in each one. But I think what happens in disasters is the normal way of doing things, our normal life gets turned on its head. It is an opportunity for people to do things very differently. What I have seen is people really rise to the occasion. These events often bring out the best in people. They can create a sense of shared purpose. There's this sense that we're all in it together. Whether it is a wildfire and the whole neighborhood is evacuating, you are making sure that your family and your neighbors and that elderly person down the block is able to get out. Or whether it's the COVID-19 pandemic and we all need to pull together as healthcare workers to take care of our patients and our communities ourselves, there's this sense of shared purpose. And there is a sense that anything is possible Mm -hmm. because disasters upend our usual expectations, right? You asked about personal experiences with silver linings. And since we are talking about wildfires, I thought I would describe a little bit of what I saw in the two evacuations of Kaiser Santa Rosa. And I saw the best of people. We had staff who came from their homes in the middle of the night. Some of the staff who came in, their own families were evacuating their homes. We saw other medical centers that were not in Santa Rosa, sort of other Kaiser medical centers, come in the middle of the night to staff their command centers and accept by transfer patients from Kaiser Santa Rosa very quickly, no questions asked. The second evacuation, I remember at one point, we sent an entire busload of patients, like literally a busload, out of Santa Rosa to another medical center, and they just said, send them. The sort of graciousness and thoughtfulness that doesn't happen on a normal day happens during disasters. And for me, I find it utterly inspiring, and it gives me hope when it is easy sometimes to look at the world around us and feel a little bit overwhelmed. I find tremendous hope in the potential that human beings have for change and for thoughtfulness and to be better. Mm. That was beautiful, Mary. Thank (laughs) you so much. 
Shakira, would you add anything? I would say the silver lining is community. With each emergency event, disaster event, bonds are formed, mm. whether in the workplace or on the home front, and you have to come together to support each other. So building community, there's never a downside to that. That is really ultimately the silver lining to having these emergency events as we look out for each other. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for what you do every day to take care of the team, the communities, your expertise, your knowledge, and clearly your passion around emergency preparedness and making sure you have the right light bulbs and have a flashlight. It's just fantastic to have your expertise. And if we helped one family today and one leader, one individual feel a bit more in control for what seems extremely overwhelming, we've maybe achieved our goal today. I'd like to end our podcast by asking our guests one piece of advice that you have for our team to heal from the past years of the pandemic, but also the experiences of the wildfires that we've had within Northern California. What one piece of advice would you have for our team to heal? Mary, let's start with you. My piece of advice is stay hopeful. Mm -hmm. There is so much reason to be hopeful. I love that. Shakira, what would you say? I would say, make sure you take time for yourself. It's not selfish to do that and give yourself that space to be okay. I love it. So hope and space, what a great way to end. I'd like to thank again, our two esteemed guests, Dr. Mary Meyer and Shakira Kitchen for their work on this truly important topic. As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind. Ask a question or suggest a topic or guest. Send it to livewellandthrive at kp.org. Whether you're listening on your commute or during a down moment, keep those comments coming. I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen-Pleats, and we'll see you next time.